Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, hello, and welcome to the Transformation for Success show. Today, we're talking about women trailblazers and agents of change who have made remarkable contributions throughout the world. You know, Women Histories Month provides the opportunity for me to highlight the achievements of many women that were trailblazers in their respective fields. And oftentimes, the focus is on high-profile women who've made remarkable achievements in their own right. But I know that there are many women who have made significant contributions to their homes, their churches, their communities, and some, the world at large, who often go unnoticed. So for many of you out there, I encourage you to continue doing the good work that you are doing to make a difference. To this month, I've taken the time to highlight and showcase some of the women who have changed lives, some of the women who've been in the arts, who are coaches, or who have broken many cultural and racial barriers. And today, I have one such woman who has made a big leap of faith and changed several careers, who has absolutely had remarkable discoveries to not only become knighted, but also to receive the Ellis Island Medal of Honor. So it is my delight today to bring my guest on the show, Dame Tadia Rice. Hello, Tadia. Oh, hello, Dr. Barbara, and aloha to you. What a beautiful introduction. Thank you. Well, thank you. Well, before we get started, I want my audience to know more about Dame Tadia Rice. She's an author, speaker, management consultant, organizational dynamics expert, and took her talents to share on an international platform where she specializes in emerging democracy issues and bilateral trade agreements with the United States. Her global perspectives and cultural competency complements her multifaceted knowledge that helps clients discover their authenticity and hidden talents. So today, Tanya resides in Honolulu, but she travels widely to serve clients in Hawaii and Africa. Dame Tadia Rice has spent much time as an anti-apartheid activist and eyewitness to the historic changes that have taken place in South Africa over the past 20 years. So, Tadia, there's a lot we have to share today for our listeners. And again, it's great to have you on the show, and I'm finally happy we got connected. <laughs> oh, thank you. Me too. It is wonderful. You know, And you the thing about it is, uh, is not only... Yeah. Do I know you from a personal perspective and that you have done such great work, remarkable work, and so opportunity today to tell the listeners about who is Tadia, a little bit about your background, because I know a lot about your background, but, I, <laughs> but you have done some remarkable things. So tell us a little bit about your background and your early journey. Well, you know, my early journey really did define a lot of what would happen to me, even though I didn't know it at the time. You know, mm-hmm. my my childhood was spent in a place where uh, 
I was fortunate to be exposed to so many Native American cultures, Navajo, Hopi, Apache, uh, uh-huh. it was Arizona, and, uh, and Mexican. Uh-huh. And because my family looked like a range of people, we were always being misidentified as being part <laughs> of these cultures. So I uh-huh. felt a real affinity um, and, and, and was so fortunate to have a cultural context that was different than most Americans would. Uh-huh. That helped me, I think, establish kind of ground rules for my life, which was... Uh-huh. Uh, everywhere, anywhere, it's all good, and let me learn about it. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. being a cultural competent really requires one to step out of whatever they think their identity is and be willing to just be a human in a different situation uh-huh. and absorb what you can. The beauty of every people is so amazing. And, of course, what you find out as the years pass is that there's far more we have in common with one another than there is that we have differences. Right. Um, And in today's America, this is so critical because racism has raised its ugly head once again um, Mm -hmm. from being emboldened. And uh, and we're at a precipice that that people really have to stand up against... uh, Against the step back, uh-huh. against uh-huh. Uh, against what we perceive as racism, homophobia, sexism, all of those things that we thought in America we had we had surpassed. Uh, and when you go around the world, as I have been really fortunate to do, uh-huh. you learn that this is. Uh, Something that can happen anywhere, anytime. Uh-huh. So that's a bit of a, frighten- a frightening thought at the same time. Uh-huh. Um, so I was just very, very lucky to have that as a foundation. And my father, who loved to travel and loved music from everywhere, really exposed me to other cultures musically. So uh-huh. one of the first voices in my ear were Mahalia Jackson. It was also Edith Piaf and Marion Makeba and Anna Moffo, uh-huh. all from different genres, who, who opened the world to me. And through them, I was able to say, I want to go there one day. I want to learn this language. And so I started cooking <laughs> when I was about 12, not knowing then that um, being able to say, would mean I would actually meet South African people who were uh, Tosa and Swana and Zulu and uh, all the various wonderful um, ethnicities that exist there. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons in my life that I would want to share, is that Uh we never Uh know that the people we meet, who they will become, and then how they impact our lives. Well, you know, Tadia, you uh, started out, you know, you, you're, uh, you've been on stage and in films and television and radio. So how did you g- embark into that journey? And I know you also spent time, and I want you to share a little bit about that in corporate life, but were you first on stage film? You were in entertainment first or were you in the corporate world first? No, I was in the corporate world first, but okay. in retrospect, mm-hmm. I should have been in entertainment first because that was really my proclivity. But, mm-hmm. you know, my family mm-hmm. was not going, certainly wasn't thinking about, oh, we have a little potential Broadway star here. So I would just leap from sofa to sofa in my living room when no one was home and sing along to operettas. And uh, <laughs> but, but so much has been accidental in my life. 
unintended, and this has been the real blessing uh, mm-hmm. that I didn't even realize at first that all of this was being animated by by God, and she is a tricky wonder uh, because uh, literally things happened to me, and I just kind of went along because I didn't mm-hmm. have a plan. So my life started, uh, my professional career, I sh- they started in the corporate world at Xerox, and I was very, mm-hmm. very fortunate because I was really riding the wave of affirmative action. That was the time, that was the era when minorities and women were being mainstreamed uh, into mm-hmm. positions where they had not before been welcomed. So I right. was able to start out as an executive. And from there, I kept flirting with media and entertainment and ultimately and eventually accidentally ended up on stage, becoming a playwright and a performer and a singer and a recording artist again without any intention whatsoever. Well, you know, so it's been, really interesting when you say uh, that you, you fell into a lot of these things by accident, but, you know, I'm of the belief there's no, there are no accidents. There are really, there's an orchestrated plan. It's just that we don't know it. And so basically... Exactly. <laughs> you were just well, following in, that, a, in a yes, pattern of yes, steps that were preparing you for where you are today. So absolutely. I want to know, though, when uh, what motivated you to change from corporate life? Because you just did you just leave Xerox and say that's it, bye bye? No, uh, and no, I, I no no I didn't. I left. I went to another corporation, and then I went to mm-hmm. another corporation. All mm-hmm. big, all big companies, and then finally again, a way was made for me to step into entertainment. Um, and But that really came after the international journey. First, I stepped into the international realm doing the international by trade, uh, bilateral trade agreements with Namibia and South Africa with the United States. And again, that was because of people I knew that had mm-hmm. once been struggling students, refugees from Namibia and South Africa, and I just simply would help them, just Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to, and I was so against apartheid. And so little did I know that people who might be sleeping on my floor or having right. dinner because they didn't have any food, that they would ultimately become the leaders of their nations. And then they called me up and say, hey, we need you. Can you come mm-hmm. here and spend three months and do our independence celebration? But so you know, that was really through relationships. You know, Tadia, I'm intrigued with with something, though, uh, here about that you spent quite a few, a number of years in the corporate world. So would you say, what, about 10, 15 years in the corporate world? Oh, yes. Easy. Okay. So I'm intrigued because, again, because I believe in, you know, steps and stair ladders and things that prepare you. What did you learn from those years in corporate, the corporate world? that allowed you to transcend, to be working with bilateral trade agreements and to, what were some of the things that you learned that you were able to transfer into what you were doing? I was Later. so fortunate to work for Xerox. They train you to death. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and they used, at the time, they were cutting edge. They used video. They used all kinds of, of technology that was available back then mm-hmm. to help you become more effective as a salesperson, as a manager, uh, as a communicator. And because okay. of those things, I had tremendous self-assurance and confidence 
I didn't know it at the time, but when I, mm-hmm. you know, look back on it, I go, man, I was audacious, you know. Mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. realize I was so different or that I was unusual for a woman's behavior that I was so assertive mm-hmm. and and strong personality mm-hmm. uh, that I wasn't afraid to show and demonstrate. Mm-hmm. So I think that there were certain skill sets like being able to communicate clearly, being able to think logically. I was the only woman for about six years uh, working at Xerox, like the second one in the U.S., likely the first person who wore pantsuits to work and didn't wear a bra, and I uh-huh. wore turbans, and I would dress provocatively, I was ter- and I wore platform shoes. I mean, I just had no clue how inappropriate <laughs> <laughs> I was being perceived, and even I would, might have fired myself today had I had someone uh, dressed like that, but I didn't care. And I was like, yeah, really? You can't fire me. So I had a trip on my shoulder. Um, and it was, I was always daring. You know, I was pressing authority and daring the limits of what, what the corporation would tolerate uh, because I went through so much. So much with them mm-hmm. just being the first woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it mm-hmm. was horrible. And I could have, you know, probably sued for discrimination a thousand different ways and a thousand different times. But all in all, when I reflect on it, I'm very grateful that uh, I learned so much about business. And I think mm-hmm. I would say mostly logic, because as little girls, we're never taught logic in school. And coming from a generation where we were forced into home economics and boys took shop and that was that. And you learned Mm -hmm. how to cook and iron and sew and not much was really expected of you. Um, This really changed my paradigm for sure. So once I learned logic, it was like a whole new world opened up. Mm -hmm. So I was Mm -hmm. able to then communicate in a way that was highly persuasive, that was very powerful, and I got what I wanted. And, of course, I sold and I broke records and all Mm -hmm. kinds of things Mm -hmm. that, again, weren't expected from a girl. So uh, That's wonderful. I don't know. Organization, time management, all of the things that you get from the business world Mm -hmm. ended up serving me very well. Because even when I shifted to becoming a performer, I was so disciplined. I always knew there was marketing, branding, advertising, advertising. other requirements that had to be met. It wasn't just about, oh, let me be creative and express myself. Mm -hmm. That came much, much later. Well, you know, uh, I asked that question, and I really want to thank you for sharing, because uh, sometimes, uh, and this is Women's History Month, so we're celebrating women in particular, but I wanted to, to bring that out to encourage the, my listeners, many of whom are women, that plant, you know, grow where you're planted. Because oftentimes it may not be in a corporate situation, it may be in another uh, venue. But to realize that you're learning some things, and so it's to embrace the learning because you have no idea that it's preparing you for the next step in your life. So oftentimes, you know, you could have resisted, but you, you were able to build from that, as you say, that whole climate of clarity and logic and being able to communicate. Uh, And there were some things that you said that really resonated with me, being self-assured, being confident, and being assertive, which is not being aggressive. And those are some of the things I think that for some of our younger listeners, my millennials who may be listening, these are things to grow from. So I really wanted you to share that part of what 
corporate life, although it may have been repressive in some ways, you're the only woman there, but in the sense of it was something, a learning experience, which you took to a higher level. So I have one, (laughs) I'm just, I am so excited to have you really on the show because I've wanted to share, you know, have you share your journey. Um, But but here you go from uh, corporate to the entertainment industry, and then you segued into international relations. But let me just uh, say too, go back a little bit. When you toured the world as a performer and a playwright and an actress and a singer, I want to know, what did you learn from those experiences, and we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and Dame Tadia Rice is going to share what did she learn from being in the entertainment world. So, listeners, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning into the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you left the cage that held you back but find yourself in the wild of your life wondering, what do I do now? I'm Dr. Lisa Cooney, and today I'm going to give you the tools to answer that question. Regardless of the issue, your choices of the past no longer need to haunt you. You have the power to change that and to create from a space of fun and ease. How different can your life be? Find out. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, welcome back to my discussion today with my guest, Dame Tadia Rice. And we're talking about her journey as a mover and shaker and change agent who's done marvelous work in many different countries. And so we're back talking about how she transitioned uh, from corporate life to the entertainment industry and then international relations. So Tadia, tell me sort of what did you learn um, that you took from the entertainment industry to international relations? Well, again, I think it's all about transferable skills. Yes. Uh, I, I think once you know an industry or you learn an industry, that's part of mm-hmm. it. But the mm-hmm. other part is really comport, behavior, conduct, and the ability to communicate who you are. Uh, it used to be that it was a, 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 a complaint, oh, you're so self-assured, from men who just hadn't dealt with women who were 
confident uh-huh. about their own abilities. Uh-huh. Um, now, of course, it's something that is is lauded, which is wonderful. I mean, you know, times needed to catch up. Uh-huh. Uh, I I would say that. And it all kind of happened at the same time. I mean, I'm still corporate. I still do business. I still perform from time to time. Uh-huh. It's a big mashup. I, I you know, I'm a working consultant. Good. And, uh, you know, whether I, I morphed into being a uh, strategy for politicians, uh, which was very interesting work, to international relations and negotiations, and really it was about from parliament to poverty, parliament to prisoners, parliament to townships. You know, mm-hmm. I could be in South Africa in, a, in the township on Sunday mornings, which I did for seven years, working with kids who lived in shacks. And I did mm-hmm. performance program because through performance, they could express it was comfortable mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they could be creative and they could adapt and adopt different skill sets that I could give them. And then at night, I'd be at dinner with the parliament members and you know it was like okay Uh well where are we going today and there was no difference so I didn't really distinguish who I was talking to I just Uh was with whoever I was and it was the same I was the same person and I think that was part of my transformation is that I learned I didn't have to put on airs I didn't have to prove who I was and that wasn't always the circumstance. I spent many, many years trying to prove who I was mm-hmm. um, for acceptance, you know, for a lot of different reasons. How I mm-hmm. looked, being a woman, uh, being a foreigner, living in a different country, lots of different aspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, my biggest challenge in all of this was my own transformation, was learning oh. how to be a servant leader. And I didn't know what the term was then. I just wanted to be of service. I think after I hit a certain age, I felt like, you know, I want my life to be meaningful and I want everything I do in life to be meaningful because it ain't that long. Um, mm-hmm. Life can be very, very short. So I thought, okay, what can I do to serve others? How can I be of service in the world? As a mm-hmm. Baha'i, this was very important to me to be of service, to leave the world better than I found it. And that's something I grew up with that idea, uh-huh. leave the world uh-huh. better than you found it. So I, I did the things that I thought were important for, for me to uh-huh. do to achieve both success, and, and a lot of it for many years was financial. I was very uh-huh. motivated by money growing up poor. I wanted money, so I was willing to work hard. Uh, then it got to be, okay, it's really not all about the money. It's really uh-huh. about uh-huh. your purpose uh-huh. and how you feel. And that was my transformational experience that took a long time. Uh, And I'm still in it, I'm sure. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. still doing those things to make life meaningful. Right. Especially as as I age and get older. We're never out of school. And I think one of the keys to my success was I was always willing to learn anything, everything. Whether I could do it well or not was another matter. The point is I was willing to learn. I was curious. So I read everything I could. I talked. I'd ask questions, mm-hmm. um, and that's advice I would give to any anybody, male, female, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Always learn. Always ask. Be curious, because you never know what you're going to like until you discover it. One of the things um, you mentioned about uh, having to learn uh, self acceptance to be yourself. What steps did you use, or strategies did you use? 
on that journey of self-acceptance? Well, um, I had to do a lot of work. I had to overcome a lot of uh, childhood issues that, you know, probably everybody has uh-huh. to some degree. Uh, How did so you do I had that? to do some serious work uh-huh. and examine myself and uh-huh. really decide who did I want to be? What kind of person did I want to be? Because I wasn't the person I liked. So how was I going to become a person I liked? And it really was. The the linchpin was service, to serve Uh others, to learn Uh what humility meant, to not have to prove anything about yourself, just have faith. Uh That was a tough Uh one for me, having faith. And I learned that as I had faith, um, I became more empowered, and I received Uh more blessings because of it. Uh And I don't think it matters what religion one is. I think what Uh matters is that people have faith in whatever they perceive to be good and godly. And that's Uh kind of the perspective that I come from when I work with with inmates Uh um, Uh at at Hawaii's Only Women. I was going to ask you about that. Um, Now, let let me back up a minute, and uh, because I want to have you define this, because... um, when I was working in Africa and we started talking with, I, I worked with a number of world leaders and <clears throat> was talking about servant leadership. And so I want you to explain that a little bit because you learned to be a servant leader because in many cases it was misinterpreted when you think of, you know, serving and servant leader, like it's like being a doormat. Would you explain how you came across that and what is your definition of being a servant leader? You know, I was very fascinated with people who uh, had charisma. For years uh-huh. and years, I was trying to answer, what is it that makes people charismatic? Uh-huh. And it was when I finally had the opportunity to be with Nelson Mandela on so many different occasions and in so many different environments that I realized you don't have to be loud. You don't have to be uh, in front all the time. You just have to be sure of who you are and what your focus and purpose is. And somehow that emanates. Uh, And so that's what I now see charisma as being. Uh So Uh in the people that I was fortunate, blessed really, to to get to know and Uh learn how they operated, I said, oh, I want to be like that. So I emulated that. And that's when I started discovering the servant leadership aspect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, 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 and then moving to Hawaii and learning aloha, the real meaning, the real aspects and components mm-hmm. of aloha, which, which are many. It is not, hello, goodbye, and I love you. That, not at all. It is really mm-hmm. a very deep spiritual reality that one lives. And that really uh, gave me the idea that here is a new leadership model so I'm now working on a book about Aloha being the next leadership model because I do think that it is the key to solving the world's problems. I know that's a mouthful to say about something that people <laughs> right. often misperceive when they think Why? about Hawaii, but, but it is much deeper. So in working with inmates at the Hawaii Women's Prison, I mean, basically, you begin to see, wow, I could have ended up here one stupid choice as a teenager, and, you know, you go down a path uh, mm-hmm. That leads you to wrong choices repeatedly. And, of course, poverty is also a pathway to prison. Right. So right. there, through my nonprofit, the Tahare Association, I'm able to provide all these skill sets that I have delivered through expression and creativity and uh, healing trauma through drama is kind of the way I've 
encapsulated it. I like so the that. women actually, they learn how to express themselves. They learn communication skills, logic, um, examination of who they are, who they were, who they want to be, focus. Uh, they, they push themselves to new, to new, not even limits, to new ends to parts of them they didn't know existed. And it builds mm-hmm. their esteem and it builds self-confidence and, of course, skill sets. Because, again, there's no expectations out of inmates, and many of these women don't even belong in prison. They're mentally ill, or they have self-defense, and sometimes there's no self-defense laws on the books. I mean, it's a myriad of complexity of laws right. situations. Right. What but was your greatest success? It. So I can work, again, par- parliament to, to the townships and politicians to prisoners. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter who you're talking to. Talk the same truth. Um, see the see people as the same people. The face change, the look change, the place changes. Other than that, they're other human beings just like you. What was your greatest success with working with the incarcerated women? Were there a couple that you can cite that were your success stories? Yes. Just recently for Black History Month, uh, my almost 20 performers put on a show from slavery to actually from Africa to present-day America. And it was a 50-minute show with dance, song, you name it. They created their own African dance. They created wow. their own original songs that expressed what slavery was about. Um, they danced to mm-hmm. uh, MLK. They reenacted um, the, the Rosa Parks bus scene. And, of course, I had the general population of about, I don't know, 250 other women, and then 47 guests that came from judges, lawyers, regular people, writers, everybody Mm -hmm. I knew. I just was a mix. And that was the audience. And the people who were the guests, who, of course, most had not been to prison before, were Mm -hmm. blown away. Because, again, they didn't know what to expect. But they saw the conditions that the women operated under. And... They were able to observe the talent, just the raw talent that exists. So if you can take that talent, that nascent intelligence, not nascent, the, the, the native intelligence that, that just shines out of these women and develop wow. it and channel it, that's when the results come. And the that's results amazing. are amazing. Were there, were there any uh, women that were released? Uh, are these women serving life sentences, or are any of these women actually uh, come out of that incarcerated experience yes, that you know of? Yes, it's a mixed bag. I, for six years, I was at the prison doing a different program every Friday. I just did a weekly Friday program because I was uh-huh. still working. And, um, th- yes, over the years, I've watched women come, go, come back. So um, come back again. Um, oh, and there's mm-hmm. success stories, and then you know you falter, and between you know drugs and having nowhere to go when you get out, so you go back to the same environment mm-hmm. that helped put mm-hmm. you in. That's what happens. Uh, for the pro- for the current program that I'm doing, Beyond Bars, uh, which is the Tahara Association's program, I asked for. Uh, medium and maximums, because I'm trying to prove measurable results of this program that I created using mm-hmm. uh, the arts, performance arts, to help mm-hmm. heal and help deliver uh, uh, a, a curriculum 
that mm-hmm. proves what the women can learn and how it can be transferable into the workplace. You know, my mm-hmm. goal with them, and I tell them, is when I when you get out of here and you go for a job interview, I want you to be so powerful sitting in that seat facing someone else that they just keep saying, you were an inmate? You couldn't have been an inmate. There's no way you could have ever been a criminal. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see it. And that's what I want for the women that I work with. Uh, I want that transformation mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. So they can they can always go be whoever they were, but really, they really will like being the new them. I think that's wonderful, Talia. I understand that your Beyond Bars program is helping those women. In fact, it's one of the most popular courses, and it's helping them uh, to increase their communication and presentation skills as well as their self-esteem. Because if you're able to communicate and you're able to present that builds your self-esteem and your confidence. So I want to applaud you for doing that and and being committed because I think um, we have a large population of incarcerated women. I think they get forgotten uh, and we don't hear many people talking about what they're doing to help them. So I want to thank you for that. I I have a a question. Um, What what do you think have been uh, the three experiences that have affected you the most in your life? I know that's maybe a big question, but I know there are some things that that stand out that maybe you can help my listening audience when we talk about transformation and uh, uh, transforming your life. What are the three experiences that you can say that have affected you the most to transform your life? Well, becoming a mother certainly was probably the most major one because that was such a shift in how I lived my life and how Mm, I saw mm. myself. And so that was something, uh, you know, I hadn't intended on, I hadn't planned for, but it happened and Mm -hmm. it it has really been wonderful. The other is having the opportunity to know Nelson Mandela to some extent Uh um, and watch him and, and just understand what these men went through. Dennis Goldberg, who also was part of the Rabonia trial with, with Madiba, with Nelson Mandela, has become a very close friend to me. And he mm-hmm. spent nearly 30 years in prison. So I met basically all of the men that were in, on, on Robben Island. And mm-hmm. I've been with them on Robben Island. Mm-hmm. And it, that was such a transformative experience because there was nothing I could say. I mean, I had nothing to offer these men. What they went mm-hmm, through mm-hmm, for decades mm-hmm. and what they experienced was just beyond the realm of my imagination. And to see what happened to them and how they how they came out and what they still did and their willingness to still make the world a better place and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and not let bitterness overwhelm them just blew me away. So. Living in South Africa was great because I had to shift my cultural headset in so mm-hmm. many ways to embrace so many cultures um, and traveling the entire continent, spending time in Rwanda with genocide survivors. That was another thing because the women really rebuilt that nation and I was able to write about them. Um, and that that was quite an experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was terrified. I was going to ask you about that. Too. Yeah, I, I didn't want to go. It was like, no, no, because while Rwanda was happening, we were celebrating in South Africa. And it's like now going to Rwanda after the years had mm-hmm. passed. Mm-hmm. And yet I got there and it was like, oh, my God, these women are the most remarkable people I've ever met. Again, rebuilding a nation and, and again, not having the limits of 
ego get in the way? Because mm-hmm. that's really our biggest problem is our egos. But when you're mothers, when you're women, and when you're building a society and trying to rebuild a nation, you, you set ego apart. You don't have children to have them die, send them to war, and <laughs> be killed. Right. right. So um, there's something to be said about the power of women, the spiritual capacity of women. Um, you know, we may not have the brawn that men have, but we are so much stronger spiritually and empathetically and and just we're just built different. Men and women are different. For years and years, I, I would argue that. No, they weren't. Blah, blah, blah. I was so wrong. Um, we are different, and I'm glad to be a woman. Despite all the years I had penis envy, I'm glad to be a woman. Dottie, well, I'm so glad that you're here today, and we're going to take a quick break, and today we're talking about women trailblazers and agents of change, and certainly this is one Dame Tadia Rice, who's made a significant change throughout the world. So stay tuned. We're going to be right back with my interview today and discussion with Dame Tadia Rice. We'll be right back. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life, or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Is email an important part of your business? It is for us. That's why Voice America partners with MailJet. MailJet lets us create impactful newsletters and deliver them right to the inbox fast. Microsoft, MIT, and Avis trust MailJet for their emailing, and so should you. Go to MailJet.com and use the promo code VOICEAMERICA to start emailing for free today. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, hello there, and welcome back today with my discussion with Dame Tadia Rice, a woman trailblazer and, and one of my good friends, I have to say. She's a remarkable woman, and today we are sharing a bit of her journey, how she took a leap of faith, made career changes that led her on a journey of remarkable discoveries throughout the world. And not only that, but she became knighted by the Orthodox Order of St. John and is recognized by the United Nations, and I just had to put this plug in, and receiving the Ellis Allen Medal of Honor. So, Tadia, 
thank you so much for being on the show today. And I want to share, uh, uh, well, ask more questions of you. I got so much. We may not have enough time for me to ask all the questions, but tell us what you're doing now because you're doing some very interesting work with uh, consulting with politicians, I understand. So tell us a little bit of what that's about and what are their needs and what's going on with them? Well, leaders, whether politicians or CEOs mm-hmm. or or just um, first-line managers, even. Mm-hmm. They all have the same issues, ultimately, and that is they're not sure if they're being effective. Mm-hmm. So what I try and inculcate to people is be careful how you behave. Don't judge people on how they acted yesterday. Mm-hmm. See them, if you can, each day in a in a new light. And what this does for you is it gives you an open mind to better recognize what that person needs. And as a consultant, you have to do a lot of listening. Surprisingly Uh Uh to some people, it's not about you doing all the talking. It's Uh about listening. Uh Sometimes I will just ask my client, okay, what went right today? Write that down on the left side of the paper. What went wrong? Write that down on the right side of the paper. And then you just do a comparison. What went right? What went wrong? Why? And then they will often answer their own questions as to why. Oh, I didn't listen. Oh, I did this. Oh, I did that. I judged them. I wasn't being kind. I wasn't being empathetic. Or I read them wrong. Uh, It's amazing what that very simple exercise could do to help people. Then the other thing is, how can you always pay things forward? Being grateful is critical. So what do you have to be grateful for? Little things, itty-bitty little things. Great. Mm -hmm. Now pay it forward. Go do something kind for somebody else. They don't even Mm -hmm. have to know what you do, whether it's you buy coffee for the person standing behind you in Starbucks, whatever it might be, anything little. Interact with children. What I find delightful is to be kind to a child. Um, dealing with children really humbles you. <laughs> uh-huh. And they don't care who you are. They don't care what you did. They don't care anything. They just are in the moment and they just want to play or have a need met. And that's a very good training for us adults because we forget what it was like for us. As uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. We, we just forget how to be humble and real and simple. Just be human. Uh-huh. Um, so... If we can foster in ourselves what we want to foster in others, that's a good start. Sometimes I'll say to a client, what would you tell your best friend, your adult child, your best, uh, your husband, your spouse, someone you love dearly, your grandmother, what would you tell them about this situation? They think about it, and they can offer, again, find their own resolution that is really theirs, that is very sincere and authentic and their own. And sometimes it's a matter of, hey, let's look at how you look on video. Let's take a picture of you. What's your best side? Do you play with your hair? Do you, you know, tap your tie too often? What do you do? How do other people see you? One thing about video training is it really allows you to see yourself as the other, as the world sees you, as others perceive you. It's a great way to help comport and presentation. It, it's, it really is. So it, it can be simple things. It can be deep things. There are times when I just have to say you really need to see a therapist to deal with this because it's way more, you know, it's beyond me. I don't want to be 
uh, overstepping my boundaries as a as a coach, mm-hmm. as a professional mm-hmm. uh, coach who deals with business people and leaders and and whomever they are. Uh, I don't uh, do life planning or life skills or life training in that way. Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I just I keep it to professional level, just for my own my own. Satisfaction. What do you think, uh, Tata? You're not not interrupting you, but what do you think is the bottom line problem when we are challenged? I don't like the word problem. Challenge uh, facing leaders today, uh, male and female. What is the? uh, What do you think are some of the bottom line issues that that leaders are facing today in today's climate and environment? Ego, ego, just just ego. It's that simple. So. You think the main problem is just ego? Does that just well? I think that's that. That's the basis of it. Uh, I think that's the basis of it. Everybody's trying to be important, trying to be perceived, trying to be popular or be powerful, Mm -hmm. and that all emanates from ego. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So, I mean, if we look at our national politics, it's a disaster because of ego. But do do you think that women suffer with ego problems here? Yeah. Sure. Sure, okay. ego protects us. You know, it sometimes it defines us. We're what we drive, we're how we look, you know, we're what we wear, we're our job mm-hmm. title, we're however our children are doing. Um, sure. I don't I don't think it's any gender issue. I think it's it's personality, it's how we're raised. We live in an ego world. We're we're absolutely surrounded with gossip and gossip shows and gossip magazines, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all driven again by ego, trying to stay in the news, trying to be uh you know, always capturing headlines because mm-hmm. that somehow is a key to being popular and it drives purchases and, and makes money for people. So well, I, that's what I think it is. Well, I have a question for you. How do you stay centered on your higher self amid today's challenges and the competitiveness? How do you stay centered on your higher self? Well, I have to say I didn't always stay centered. I was not always centered. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wasn't born with the knowledge and the skill sets mm-hmm. and the perspective that I have now. I mean, it took, mm-hmm. it took decades for me to learn things. Mm-hmm. Getting centered has been an ongoing uh, lesson. Every day mm-hmm. you have to remain centered. It doesn't just happen. We don't turn into Mother Teresa overnight. Mm-hmm. And we may never turn into Mother Teresa or nor aspire to it. But right. it is a constant effort to be centered, to say, who am I? What am I doing? Am I being my best self? Am mm-hmm. I being the person that I that I will be proud to say I was, you know, when I kick, when mm-hmm. I when I leave this this earth, this life, this reality. What's, you know, what will I say? Will it have been worth it? Mm-hmm. Will I have been happy? Will I have been happy? That's that's a a tough one for a lot of people because people aren't happy. Absolutely. In general, most they people are not. you meet are not happy. Getting happy is hard. It takes a lot of work. And sometimes there's external factors we cannot control. So what do you do in the face of those? That's the toughest one. Well, our poor children, are they growing up happy in this world? How do we protect them? Do we protect them? Should we protect right. them? Right. 
Right. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show today because I know many of my listeners have enjoyed learning about your transformational journey and some of the things, Tadia, that you have shared about self-discovery and being yourself and just accepting yourself, which I think is laudable. And all the work that you have done, you have done so much. And and there were so many things that it was very difficult for me to try to get them all together. But with your intelligence, your talent, and your integrity has caused you to receive so many accolades and honors. And I want to congratulate you and encourage you to continue to do what you do and to do it as you always do with excellence, beauty, and style. So thank you so much. And listeners out there, I want you to challenge, I challenge you to take time before the end of this week to understand what you are here to do. Take some time to so that you can become that change agent that I know that our creator has designed you to be. Because when you do, you will pursue it with passion and with enthusiasm. So I want to thank you all for listening to the show today. And Tadia, I want you to have a very blessed week. And thank you again for appearing on the Transformation for Success show. So to my listeners listening this week. You. I thank you. Thank you, Barbara. You. Barbara. And listeners, I want you to listen next week because I have another guest with an incredible story, Bree Seeley, and she is going to share from her heart. You don't want to miss this show, and I want to thank you again. So for tuning in, March, Women's History Month, so we have more exciting guests for you for our lineup. So this is your radio talk show host, Dr. Barbara Young, signing off until next Tuesday. Be inspired. Be challenged, be encouraged, be yourself, and be forever transformed. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Have an outstanding week.